Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Miss. Pop pass up in the middle. Tucker's got, got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit, hit in. Gregory's touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7 ESPN Radio Heard 96.5 FM Heard wherever you are Whatever you are doing ESPN app Seen, heard, and everything in between At the mighty magical QSportsTalk.com Oh, what a place where you can watch a radio show. You can chat throughout the radio show. You can do whatever you want. This is America, darn it. And it's America on the Internet at QSportsTalk.com. Oh, boy. Not only can you watch a show, you can chat throughout the program. You get the show within the show. We keep the microphone and the camera on for you, and we just keep blabbing. We're just a blabbing type of show, a bunch of blabbers. So uh, that's happening. We have a very exciting contest going on on this program today. I'm excited about this. The Hoffman Big Game Tailgate Package. German Franks, Snappies, Beer and Cheddar Bratwurst, Kielbasa, German Mustard, a personal cooler bag, and a Hoffman football cutting board. That is a cool big game package for you. Now I'm going to make you earn this one. Isn't it like caller number four? kind of stuff like you got to earn this okay so we'll have some fun with that i'll even give you a little hint so you can start uh, your your googling brains here we're going to do some syracuse super bowl trivia later in the show we'll tell you when and you can win that terrific package thanks to our friends at hoffman let's go man weather's going to be decent enough to get out there have a little Super Bowl tailgate, if you want, with all the uh, delicious goodies we're going to give you. So that's coming up later on in the program. It's draft day. Thursdays, still draft day. I think, not quite entirely sure on this, but about 90% sure we're going to move the draft back to Fridays once football season is over, but uh, we'll see about that. I know the draft is today, though, and uh, we're going to keep it simple today. Yours truly. And I believe the new house at night boys, Bryce Gelman and Doug Latuka, don't call him Doug Latusha, are going to draft the Mount Rushmore of Super Bowls. Last year we did Super Bowl things. This year we're just going to actually draft the games themselves. After Sunday will have been 57 Super Bowls played. We will narrow it down to the best 12. 
We will draft the Mount Rushmore of Super Bowls. What's your favorite? Tell us in the QSportsTalk.com chat. That's coming up. We have some sound bites, as we say in the business, to set you up for a very busy weekend of lacrosse at the JMA Wireless Dome. There's a women's basketball game tonight, which, of course, you can hear right here on ESPN Syracuse. Number 14, North Carolina in town. Pete Sala and his amazing crew will flip the dome, and then we'll play three lacrosse games. Friday night against Albany. Saturday, the women's lacrosse team will start their season against Northwestern. And then Sunday, the men back at it on Super Bowl Sunday against Holy Cross. Phoenix is the center of the sports world, not only because of a little football game being played there Sunday, the waste management open with a much better field than usual, and uh, Kevin Durant late-night trade ends up in Phoenix. Are the Brooklyn Suns one of the – I just said the Brooklyn Suns. I just combined the two there. I just made up something. Are the Brooklyn Nets uh, one of the great failed experiments in pro sports history, something we will explore uh, during Hot Takes. Your calls throughout the show at 437-7644 on Twitter, Brent Axe Media, and, of course, the running commentary at the great, magical, stupendous QSportsTalk.com. Of course, we start, though, with a little Syracuse basketball and everything that results in a win. A win for the Orange against Florida State, a game in which they trail at six by halftime. They're down 22-14 to 14 on the boards at halftime. Only had two players raised their hand and say, okay, I'll play in the first half of that game, those being Joe Girard and Jesse Edwards. And even Jesse took a little while to get going, to make the adjustment and to get into the game. But the way that this team responded in the second half is something that gives me a little glimmer of hope. here, And it's a person in particular that gives me a little glimmer of hope that they are going to keep this thing interesting. Now, look, there is no bones about it. This team is not going to the NCAA tournament without winning the ACC tournament. And keep in mind, by beating Florida State last night, if it comes down to a tiebreaker between Syracuse and Florida State to determine who gets the first day by or not, Syracuse now has that in their back pocket. That was the only meeting between these two. So if, in fact, it comes to and the bracket as it stands now, Folks, think about this. Think how much basketball we've talked. Think how much we've talked just this week. This week feels like a month with all the discussion about Bayheim and all the apologies and everything. And just sometimes these things tend to weigh on you a little bit more. There's still a month until the ACC tournament. There are still seven games left on the regular season slate right, which I'm going to get into later on as we continue the discussion. This team needs a break, and they're getting a break at a very good time. You know, we talk about in football, does the bye week come at the right time? Is Syracuse's bye weekend coming at the right time? No, it's coming at the perfect time for a number of reasons, which we'll get into here, right? But what we saw last night from Judah Mintz, I think is starting to rub off on the rest of this team. I think is contagious. I think he is taking his place. Now, not that he hasn't been a part of this thing all along, not that these players don't look up to him in some way. But, look, he's a freshman. He's a point guard. He's finding his way. He's adjusting to what defenses are doing to him, and that's a lot to take in. You know, to sit here and say on February 9th, that there's a month to the ACC tournament, right, and how fast this thing goes and game after game after game. 
But I think up until this point, not that he hasn't had the production, because of course he has, and he's had the minutes, but there's a lot of potential things that we hadn't really see round out. That we said to ourselves, and we kind of made notes about like, okay, eventually this is going to be more consistent, right? I But the question I couldn't answer until now, because we're in the grind here, is how you would respond to a longer season. Two defenses coming at him in different ways. Two having to read opposing defenses. And the weight of not being a freshman in college basketball, the weight of being a point guard, at that an offensive-minded point guard who was given the keys to the car from day one because eventually that was going to crash land on you. And how you respond to that. I didn't have the answer to that question, but now I think I do. And he is passing the test with flying colors. Last night in the first half of that game, Judah Mintz starts 0 for 5. Judah Mintz saw something. He, you know, We're going to play a clip from Jim Beheim here in a second that I think describes it well. But he knew he could get to the hoop. Now, Judah always thinks he can get to the hoop, but there was a path there. The way that Florida State kind of over-pursues in their press and the way that they play allowed him the opportunity to get there. And Judah Mintz attacks the hoop, and he gets soundly, and I would say embarrassingly blocked by the rim. That's not easy to get over. He missed another dunk. He couldn't get going. He had two points at halftime, and both of those were at the free throw line. Feeding into... When you look at those halftime numbers, Gerard and Jesse were popping like a lighthouse beacon, and everybody else was in the dark. I think everybody else combined for like eight points in that first half. They just couldn't get anybody else involved yet because Florida State missed a bunch of three-pointers for a myriad of reasons, even though Florida State dominated on the boards. Joe kept him in the game. Jesse, once he started to get going, Kept him in the game. Florida State was up 27-19 at one point. I don't want to take away from Joe Girard did in this game, but see, the difference is I know Joe can do that. The You know how I feel about this. The criticism that's been there for Joe Girard has been just beyond the pale ridiculous. And last night was another example of why and his importance in what he can do in these games. I understand that sometimes these big numbers come against teams that are below Syracuse in the standings. I think Girard is going to have a lot to prove and validate in the next four games. I think that's a fair thing to say. But you need your big players to step up in all your games, not just the ones that have the sexy quad numbers next to them. This is the ACC on the road, and you had another team that took a big swing at Syracuse in the first half and said, come get it. Well, Gerard responded there. So this is more about Judah than Joe, but I I want Joe's – production to be noted here. I want Joe's tenacity to be noted here because when they came out of that timeout, they're down 27 to 19. Gerard scored eight straight points. He doesn't do that. They don't win the game. But there was something about the way that Judah Mintz, who did not even get his first field goal until about 13 minutes left, just kept attacking the rim. Not only because it was there, but with the fierceness and the tenacity, and I think there's a key word here, the adjustments that he made. He literally had to adjust how he shot the ball, how he attacked the rim, get around the defense, and you're starting to see more of that arsenal in his game come through. Now, I want to play a couple clips from Jim Beheim last night. Jim Beheim, uh, very pleasant at his post-game press conference last night, by the way. 
on Judah attacking the rest. Yeah, what we wanted to do is when they full court, just go. He was letting them get away with that and then coming up, then slowing down, then trying to run. Oh, you can't run passing. They're overplay. So the more you can push it and get it down there, you're going to get those opportunities. And when he did that, I think he got four layups. So that's what we wanted to do. He likes to walk it up for whatever reason, probably because he's not hasn't been a point guard, and he needs in certain. A lot of times, you just want to walk it up and run your offense. You're playing Virginia; you have to run your offense. You have to execute. You're playing somebody pressuring you. You got to go. You got to learn that. Different teams, different approaches, different defenses. I think it feels like as a point guard, let me walk it up and assess here. When sometimes it's go, go, go. But it was this clip in particular that I really found to be interesting. He gets mad at himself and at me because I'm trying to get him to do something. And he's a very competitive kid. And he's a really good player. And he is probably as good as anybody I can remember getting to the basket. Um... If he could consistently get his jump shot down, which is probably going to take a while, he could average 20 and six, seven assists a game. Easy. He's averaging 15 now without making anything from outside. But he's a competitive, fiery guy, and you know we're going to go at it a little bit. That's the way it is. Did that with Derek Coleman. Did that with well a lot of people. Part of the coaching. There's a lot I like about that. I like that there's a competitive fire. I mean, these are two of the most competitive people you will see. That they are now starting to come to an understanding there. That you can challenge Bayheim a little bit. He's going to see more. And, you know, Judah had some interesting clips last night about what he sees on the court versus what the coach sees. But they're starting to mesh now because Judah takes criticism well, Judah takes benching well. Judah as a freshman understands why the coach does what he does. He wants to be out there because he feels like he's going to make the next play every single time. But it was also what Jim said about his game there. Think about the numbers he's at right now. If he adds another element to his game, I mean, he needs a jump shot and he needs to develop an outside shot, particularly if he wants to be a high draft pick at this point. But the intangibles of... I'm not just talking about how hard he plays. That's great that he does that because that fire comes from within. And that's the kind of fire that Jim Beheim wants to see in you. I think that's been his frustration with, and Benny Williams had a great game last night. The box score doesn't pop, but he was getting inside the boards. I think Benny, Jim even joked last night at the press conference, like, oh, but nobody's asking me about Benny, right? Because typically you're asking about Benny when he doesn't play well. I think that's the frustration that comes through with Chris Bell sometimes, who had six rebounds, career high. And I think a lot of that stems from Judah. You know, at some point, the team starts to belong to the players, and Jim just kind of gets out of the way and will certainly step in and guide them and coach them actively because that's what he does. But, you know, earlier in the year when this thing's a mess and Jim is just going out of his mind because of things he sees that they're not doing, well, now they're starting to do them. Right, and I think that's partially why Jim's been so frustrated at some of these post-game press conferences. It doesn't excuse his behavior in certain aspects, but you know when he's talking about the same things over and over again at these press conferences and they're not happening, you know it tends to well inside you. 
Last night, Chris Bell responded by hitting the board. Syracuse comes out in the second half as a team and rebounds better, right? Judah just kept attacking, and I think this team took a cue from their point guard. Not that Joe is not a leader, not that Jesse is not a leader, but you're the quarterback out there. And the way that he just would not stop attacking the rim, adjusting his game, literally getting this team back in it, giving this team the lead, and then maintaining it as Florida State and Syracuse traded the lead a little bit, and then it turns into a game that Syracuse takes. I mean, that's just not something you can teach. Now, Jim Beheim here, I believe this was earlier today on Orange Nation, on how Judah is closing as a player. Think how bad he looked in the first half, and then think how good he looked in the second. Well, it's tough. Freshman, it's a tough thing. You know, early in the year, I mean, he did make the winning bucket against Notre Dame, but right. then he had a couple opportunities where he didn't. But that's pretty normal. I mean, you're not going to make all the plays. Uh, he made seven or eight plays against Boston College in a row and six or seven or eight plays last night. That's not one or two plays. Right. That's a lot. This is what you need. Name me a great Syracuse team under Jim Beheim, and I'm going to tell you that team had a great point guard. Name me any of them. Any of the final four teams, any of the good teams, any of the teams. And I'm talking about the ones that pop. Teams that have been number one in the country. Teams that have won leagues. Teams that have been successful. Not teams that kind of sneak in the tournament and make their way through. Those teams had some great guards, too. I'm talking about the all-timers. And I'm going to tell you a team that had a great point guard. Judah Mintz is starting to cross into that threshold where this is not just, hey, that kid's got some game. He's got some potential. He's No, he's becoming before our very eyes by the standards of what college basketball delivers now. I'm not saying he doesn't have aspects of his game that he has to work on because, of course, he does. A great point guard. And that's what this team needs if they're going to have any fight not that they won't fight as a team, but I'm talking about a fighting chance to do something with the rest of this season because we all know what they have to do, and they need certain things for it to happen, and the next four games are going to determine a lot because of who you're playing in the upper echelon of the league, and the margin for error gets slim. I'm going to get into this in the next segment. There's things you just you can get away with against Boston College, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame that you cannot against NC State, even Duke, who I know Duke is not what we usually think they are, but good enough that you can't get away with some of these things. And Clemson and Pitt that are upcoming. Two of those games at home, two of those games on the road. So everything that I'm discussing and a few more that we'll get into coming up have to not only happen, but the margin for error of what's not happening has to go dramatically down. But... What Judah Mintz does on that court is what you want to see from a point guard, a freshman, from all players, right? But not everybody's wired the same. I've seen enough great players at his position. I've seen enough great players in my day, and so have you, that you just kind of get that feeling. You get that that intangible that kind of tingles when you watch a player, and it's that proverbial it, the it fact. He's got it. And last night, more than any game I've seen recently, 
because he did this not the same thing, but you know, struggled in the first half against Boston College, got benched, responded, came out, and willed Syracuse to victory. Last night was he was the missing piece because Joe and Jesse, as great as they were, we expect that. That's what you need from your seniors. The X factor, the extra piece that was needed. Judah's the first candidate and the obvious candidate to do it, but you got to see it. And, man, we saw it. We saw it in a way last night I don't think we've seen in even the Boston College game, even a week ago. even some. He, he's had some of those elements there, but now they're there. Now we have arrived in a lot of ways. He can make a lot of improvements as a player. Nobody's saying, okay, wipe your hands clean and send him to the draft right now. But see, that's why I want to bring this up because this is just the reality of college basketball that we're in. If he continues to improve at this pace, there's a decision that's got to be made already about whether you take a leap and try and get picked or can you provide him with enough motivation to stay. And by motivation, I mean a number of things. His role on the team next year, the NIL money he's going to get, whatever's important to him. But what I saw last night is a player that just cares about the game and cares about leading and cares about it's not just a pride thing. It's not just getting my points. It's I can do this because it's there, and this is what's going to ultimately help my team. He's got that it factor. And not that I didn't know that before last night, but, man, it, it just watching how he would not give up attacking the rim. And it wasn't in a stubborn way. It's because it was there. It's that clip that Beheim noted there. It's like when we tell him to do this, when we can settle him down, because he's a fiery kid, and say, hey, go down this path and you'll have success, he's starting to realize that more on his own. We're starting to see that transition as a player, and it's exciting. And on that note, we'll break. We certainly will talk more hoops on the other side here, including why a break is a really good idea for this team in a number of ways. We will get into that coming up. So much more to come throughout the show. We're looking forward to hearing from you and looking forward to hearing how the markets did today because our friend Bill from Lee Baldwin & Company is here to uh, deliver that news here on this Thursday, February the 9th, 2023. I feel like this is like three or four times a year, Bill, but it's it's, it's National Pizza Day. So uh, to to all who celebrate, enjoy a, a slice of pepperoni. I did not know that. Uh, we actually had dinosaur barbecue today, so we got not bad. We had a, not, not bad. We had a great lunch here. They would make good pizza uh, too if they made pizza dinosaur. Right? <laughs> they would. They're good at everything, right? But uh, we opened up one percent higher this morning, but unfortunately, we reversed and actually closed down one percent. So uh, we saw some profit taking today. Uh, the dog of the day goes to Disney, which actually epitomizes today's uh, move. It rose six percent on earnings this morning but then slowly drifted lower and closed down 1% uh, to finish out the day. And then we did have some diamonds, though, and uh, the casino stocks, Wynn Resorts and MGM had uh, good earnings and a uh, good outlook, and uh, maybe they got the betters on the right side for the Super Bowl. We'll I was going to say, Super Bowl week. Uh, they better be having a good week, <laughs> considering it's good point. the biggest betting week of the year. So uh, there we go. Thank you, Bill. Always appreciate the insight, my friend. That's our friend Bill from Lee Baldwin and Company where you hear the great voices come on here, Bills included, Mike and Lee himself, to tell you all the diamonds and none of the dogs on your portfolio. Stop in and get that terrific financial advice or check it out 
at LeeBaldwin.com. We'll break a little more on uh, Syracuse in their win over Florida State and uh, what's ahead for this team, which right now is a little R&R, and it's needed. Stay right there. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back, friends. Great to have you here. Around the Block ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Continuing our Super Bowl theme, it's draft day. So we are going to... What I believe is going to be our last Thursday draft. We're going to switch it back to Fridays once the Super Bowl's over and football Fridays are a thing of the past. So uh, we'll have a a little fun with our last uh, Thursday draft here. And uh, we are going to not only bring in Jordan to come in and participate in the draft, we are going to send it up to the mighty Newhouse School of Communications, smiling on camera as we speak. Uh, Our friend Bryce Gelman joining us here, who will be hosting Newhouse at night coming up. Top of the hour. Uh, Bryce, hello. Well, it's always a pleasure when I get to come on the local radio host show. So yes. appreciate the invite. There you and, go. Uh, looking forward to this draft. It's been a long time since I've been a part of a draft. So Fantastic. exciting times. We're excited that you're on local radio hosts program and doing the draft today. Fantastic stuff. All right. So we have to determine draft order. And uh, since Bryce is uh, kind enough to join us from up on the hill, you will draft first. Okay. Get out of town. Yeah, man, you get the get first pick. Town. That's Thank you. Thank you. You should be honored. I get the second pick, and Jordan will draft third. You good with that, Jordan? That's just how I want it. That's just I, I figured that's I, just how you would want it. I appreciate you turning on a second mic for me as well. That's very kind of you. You're correct. You need, you need two mics. <laughs> All right. <laughs> here we go. Yes, I had too many microphones on here in studio. You ready, Bryce? I need the music. Yes, you do. Here it comes. Where's the, come on, give me the draft. <laughs> Here's our first pick. We are drafting the Mount Rushmore of Super Bowls. They don't have to be the greatest Super Bowls. It's just I'm just saying the Mount Rushmore of Super Bowls. You may begin the process, my friend. With the first pick in the Super Bowl draft, I select... The biggest layup of all time, Super Bowl 42. Super that's, Bowl 42. easy as it gets. Why easy did you select Super gets. Bowl 42? Why did I select Super Bowl 42? First off, my Giants pulled off probably the biggest upset, maybe in sports history, beating the 18-0 Patriots, making that 18-1 Eli Manning to David Tyree, the best play in Super Bowl history all around. Burris alone, touchdown, New York. The David Tyree play, the Giant fan goes home happy, the not undefeated New England Patriots, certainly in the running is one of the greatest games of all time. A solid first pick from Young Bryce. Now, as a Buffalo Bills fan, I do not have uh, great memories of Super Bowls. As you know, so uh, suffice it to say, probably won't be selecting any of the Super Bowls that they appeared in, okay? As great as uh, a certain one was where a certain person missed a certain kick, and if, Jordan, you show me that kick on your phone, I'm going to kick you. I'm too busy Googling Roman numerals. Don't worry. Thank you. 
Uh, you brought up upsets, and if we're talking Super Bowls, I'm going to go old school on you guys. Don't do it. This one was rigged if you're going to say the one I think you're saying. Joe Namath. You. Super Bowl yep. three. Yep. Jets. Colts. Put the Super Bowl on the map. Force the merger between the AFL and the NFL. And Joe Namath wagging his finger. One of the great moments in sports history, whether you think it's rigged or not. I'm going to take it, Jordan. I don't think I'm. A good one. I don't think I'm up, Bryce, on the Super Bowl three conspiracy theories. Do we know to which Jordan speaks here? Or? People say that they were playing the Colts, right? Yes. The Colts threw. No people say that the Colts were paid to lose the game so that there was more interest in not just thinking one league was going to win every year. The NFL's version of the Black Sox. Yes. That's what you're telling me. I'm telling you, it's a thing. Interesting. And I didn't bet on this one, so this is just coming from the heart. Never heard that myself, that. Bryce. Over to Jordan, who's got pick number three. So we draft the Mount Rushmore of Super Bowls. Well, Brent, you picked a guy who smokes cigars in the locker room, but you know who doesn't smoke cigars after football games, nor does he drink tomato juice? The greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, Tom Brady, who led the greatest comeback in the history of the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 51, 28-3, beat the Falcons in overtime, 34-28. That, that's my pick, baby. Give me Super Bowl 51. I knew the Patriot fan was going to pick a Patriot Super Bowl or two. You have a lot of choices three there. Or four. For sure. I would have went with, um, with some other choices. That's okay. In, in which they lost. He's got five others. So exactly. Bryce. It's got to be one of six, right? Back up to Bryce on the hill. Who is the fourth overall pick, his second of the afternoon. With the second pick. <laughs> My second pick. It's the fourth. In the Super Bowl draft. But it's the fourth pick, but my second pick in the Super Bowl draft. I'm going to go Super Bowl 25. Ah, no. No. What are you 20 to 19. You going to veto it? Scott Norwood. Look, as much as I, I say. want to bash my head on the wall, it was one of the greatest <laughs> Super Bowls ever. Whitney Houston's. National anthem. Yes. The Gulf War was starting. The country was in a place that was, they needed this this distraction, if you will, at the time. It was an amazing game. And the way that Belichick shut down that Buffalo Bills no huddle offense, it was a rare Super Bowl, guys, where there was only one week in between games, right? The Bills' K-Gun no huddle offense was destroying people. They had just beaten the Raiders 51-3 in the AFC title game. Belichick shuts it down. Uh, I remember the game plan distinctly. It's we're going to let Thurman Thomas do whatever he wants, but we're going to beat the crap out of the Bills receivers. They did. It was a masterful game plan that's literally in the Hall of Fame. You can see it at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, Scott Norwood missed a little kick at the end. It's still one of the greats, no question about it. And now I'm going to go throw up in my mouth in the corner of the studio. Sorry, Brad. Can you say that on the radio? I can't. Brings me over to my second pick, the fifth overall here. And uh, with the fifth pick in the Mount Rushmore Super Bowl draft, I will select Super Bowl 32. Super Bowl 32, Denver 31, Green Bay 24. This is one of the great underrated Super Bowls ever. Go back and look at that. Got to look that one up. Back and forth the right whole now. game. John Elway does the helicopter at the end, and it's not just because Elway finally won a Super Bowl. That was one of the best, well played four quarter Super Bowls I've ever seen. Like some of these games are moments at the end; they're not necessarily great games. 
That was a great football game. Terrell Davis had uh, he he didn't take his uh, migraine medication. He was basically blind for the first half, and he still had a great game. There's so many great stories from that Super Bowl. It doesn't come up enough, and it's one of the great football games I've ever seen. Got to go with it. Back over to Jordan, who has the sixth pick, his second of the year. Love seeing Terrell Davis, you know, in that game. But uh, a running back who didn't exactly love the Super Bowl that he was in was Super Bowl Forty Nine, when Marshawn Lynch did not get the ball at the one-yard line. Malcolm Butler of the Patriots did. Another ring for Bill Belichick. And that was Katy Perry. That was Left Shark. That's got to matter. Left Shark, iconic Super Bowl See, halftime show. This is what I'm talking about, Bryce. I get why he's picking that. It's one of the great moments. That game wasn't particularly that good. Did it you not watch Left not Shark? I mean, Left Shark was killing. Did you? He, he was Left Shark. The fact that that was the talk of the game. Exactly. Is saying a lot about the game. That's exactly that, right. A shark. We talk more a about shark. a darn shark than the game. Great moment. Not necessarily a great Super Bowl start to finish. But back up to you. On the hill, Bryce. I thought it was great. The seventh overall pick, your third in the Mount Rushmore draft of Super Bowls. With the seventh overall pick in the Super Bowl Mount Rushmore draft. Why are you trying to be Roger Goodell, Bryce? Select (laughs) Super Bowl 43. I was going to stick with the only giant Super Bowls, but I think, no, since no one's taken it, this is, I remember this vividly. This was on my eighth birthday. And my Giants weren't in the game, but Ben Roethlisberger's throw to Santonio Holmes in the back, the back corner of the end zone remains one of the best plays in Super Bowl history and one of the best games in Super Bowl history. And back-to-back, 42 and 43. That is a great pick. Remember Fitzgerald caught that slant and everybody just thought, oh, Cardinals are going to win. Nope. 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 Back over to me. Pick number eight. My third pick, and uh, Jordan may be surprised to know that uh, with my pick, I'm going to select Super Bowl 36. You s- Super Bowl. 36. I'm about to walk out. Like I'm actually about to walk New out. New England 20, like, St. Louis 17. Now here's why I'm taking the Super Bowl. Not only because was it you're a, a jerk. Not only was it a great game. Not only did Belichick use the same exact game plan that he did when he beat the Buffalo Bills in Super Bowl 25 as the defensive coordinator of the Giants. I'm going to tell you guys a quick story about this. This is the greatest prediction I've ever made in my life, okay? I was doing radio in Utica at the time, and for two weeks, I kept telling people how New England was going to beat St. Louis, and I kept telling people it's because Belichick did this against the Bills. They're going to take Marshall Falk out of this game and the physicality of the Patriots, and not only did I predict it, I was writing for a, a, a small newspaper at Utica in the time. I predicted the score. Not only did I pick one of the great upsets in Super Bowl history, I picked the damn score. Now, guys, remember, this is the greatest show on turf. This is the Rams. They're just blitzing people left and right with points. People called me an idiot for two weeks, but I got that right. Greatest prediction I ever made in my life. Over to Jordan. Pick number nine. You proud of yourself, boss? You happy? I'm very proud of myself. I didn't pick wide right. Why are you stealing my Pats Super Bowls? it's the, it's the nature of the draft. You know, you, know, you know, it's okay because unlike your football team, I have a ton of Super Bowls to choose from. Um, I'm sorry to everybody listening because 
I know a certain somebody who we really like was throwing up on the sidelines during this game. But T.O. going in for the Eagles, bad hamstring and all, still dominating, keeping the Eagles in the Super Bowl the entire game, came down to an attempted Hail Mary to Greg Lewis when the Patriots beat the Eagles by three That was in a great Super Bowl game. 39. People for, like, all these Patriots Super Bowls, say all you want about it, every Super Bowl they play in has been great. Also, Deion Branch, one of the few non-quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl MVP. Bryce, I don't know cool. if this is your pick, but there's there's a Patriots Super Bowl hanging out there. That there's a lot of them. That's, that's kind of pretty what, what underrated it's like. that hasn't been picked yet. I'm actually contemplating picking it. But let's see what Bryce has as we come down the home stretch here. It's not 2019. I'll tell well, you I don't know if you're referring to a Patriots Super Bowl loss because that's my final pick here on the draft. What is it? The tenth pick. You have the tenth, the tenth pick, pick, right? Correct. Yep. With the 10th pick, pick in the Super Bowl draft, I select Super Bowl 46, which is another memorable Super Bowl for me, another Patriots loss in the Super Bowl to my favorite team, the Giants. So I feel like that was another layup right here. Bryce got both of his picks, both of his Giant picks there. He had quite a few uh, Giant opportunities, and he got the two he wanted. Okay. With my... Fourth pick, the 11th overall pick, I select Super Bowl 20. I Super Bowl 20. The Chicago Bears take down uh, the yeah. New England Patriots. And the only reason that I am taking this Super Bowl is the Super Bowl shuffle. That amazing video that the Chicago Bears made. And remember, they made this before the Super Bowl, like a couple of months before the Super Bowl, and it lives in internet infamy, the Super Bowl shuffle from your 1985 Chicago Bears, one of the great teams of all time. And, yes, now we have to pull it up and play it because I mentioned it and I talked about it. But I think they're one of the more famous Super Bowl teams ever, right? The Chicago Bears shuffling crew performs. I hope you get rickrolled right now. The Super Bowl shuffle. Yeah! This can be the soundtrack for your next pick, Jordan. They don't curse, do they? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> we won the Blue Pen Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. There you go, baby. The Super Bowl Shuffle. I should have just drafted the Super Bowl Shuffle. Can I actually change my pick to the Super Bowl show? I don't know if that qualifies. I'll allow it. It stops me from typing Roman numerals. Over to Jordan for the final pick of the draft. Um, Because I'm the bigger man, I can't just pick all of the Super Bowls New England one, right? Because there's too many of them, right? It's it's unfortunate. Just rub it in a little bit more, please. I will. This is what you get. This could have all been avoided if you let me pick the Super Bowl I wanted. I'll take a Super Bowl that wasn't won by the Patriots. As a matter of fact, they lost this one. It was alluded to earlier, and it's the first Super Bowl I ever lost money on. Kids, learn what a first half full game bet is before you place it, or you look real <laughs> stupid after the game. Uh, backup quarterback Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl for the Eagles. Philly special. Wow. First Super Bowl victory for the Eagles. Respect. Uh, give me 52. Respect, Jordan. I'm with you, Bryce. Respect. Respect. 
that you would actually you. take a Super Bowl your team lost, unlike the host of this show who wouldn't go there if you paid. I mean, it was a crazy game. It was crazy. That's the draft. Thank you, Bryce. We look forward to uh, Newhouse at Night starting in about 10 minutes, my friend. Well, thank you guys very much, and yes, see you guys then. Are you Wait, 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 before, are you and Doug going to, like, survive? Is there a steel cage? Do you have a referee? That's what I was going to get to. That was going to, I mean, I was assuming that you might be able to come over here and referee our match, <laughs> as you would call it. Do we have but, some? Uh, apparently, you've got more important stuff to do at the the station. We got some juice coming up here at the, New House at night. Is, it, that, is this what I'm hearing? These two are like straight well, like so. New York City radio. Like they're just they get really mad. Like I almost called their parents last week. <laughs> Doug was spitting on me last year. Like literally, he had, his, he had his hand in my face, screaming at me about about the UNC game being like the, the, the change in the season, which was like the stupidest argument in the, in the in the first place. The fact that he was spitting on me made it even worse. <laughs> So <laughs> that's coming up tonight. New house at night, about 10 minutes. Thank you, Bryce. Appreciate it, sir. We'll break on that note and come back. Stay right there.